0: But here's the thing, so I, was, I remember watching the Olympics and the announcers coming on and say, hey, next we're going to go live to this venue for the wrestling. And I was like, oh my gosh, I did not know that wrestling was an Olympic sport. And I was so jacked because I was like, I'm fixing to see the Hulkster take on Nikolai Volkov. It's going to be the U.S. Versus, the, versus Russia. It's going to be amazing. And so I was sitting there through the commercial break that seemed to take like forever like it does when you're nine years old. And here are the announcers. They're on the screen. like, we're going to go live now to this venue and, and we're to, the, you know, to see the wrestling. And I'm like, all right, great. And they start showing the thing. I'm like, that, that doesn't look like a wrestling ring. Maybe they just do it different in the Olympics. Like, like where are all the people? Like, where's the music and the, you know, the smoke machines and all this stuff? And they announce these guys. I'm like, well, who are these dudes? I have never even heard of these guys. Well, maybe this is like the undercard. The next thing I know, it shows these guys, they got these funny looking things on their head and their unitards, and they're kind of rolling around on the floor with one another. And I was so disappointed as a nine-year-old. Here's the thing, as you grow up, you understand that Olympic wrestling is real wrestling. Again, I'm starting to feel some judgment here. (laughs) But here's the thing, we are all wrestlers, right? We are all wrestlers, and here's what I mean by that. There are some of you that are here this morning, and you're wrestling with some things. You're, you're wrestling with God. There's something that you know He wants you to do, and you're just wrestling with Him over it. There are others of us, we are wrestling with our sin. There's still others of us that we are wrestling with a decision that we know that we need to make. And so I, let me just say, whatever you are grappling with this morning, that makes you a wrestler. But understand this. That you are in good company. Because in Romans chapter 7, we hear this heartfelt plea from the Apostle Paul as he talks to us about the thing that he is struggling with. And so as you are struggling through some things this morning, just understand that you are, are not alone. That yes, even the great Apostle Paul struggled with some things. So Romans chapter 7 I want us to just look at six verses together Romans 7 beginning in verse 15 let me invite you to stand this morning as you're able for the as we honor God by the reading of his word together and this is what Paul this is what Paul writes for I do not understand my own actions how many of you can say amen to that this morning right for, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Do you feel like you're in good company now? Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, and that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. You see, even Paul, the great apostle Paul, writer of 13 books of the new testament paul wrestled with some things and so you find yourself in good company this morning let's pray father i pray that in the midst of our struggle whatever that thing may be right now in this moment lord help us to listen to your holy spirit god as we're struggling with some things as we're maybe even fighting against you in some things lord i pray that we would just hear you out today Lord, we would not be so proud in our abilities and, and, and in our accomplishments to say that we don't need you, but instead, Lord, I pray that just as, as Jesus teaches us in Luke 9, that, that we would come to a point where we would humble ourselves, and God, that we would take up our cross right now, and, and God, we would just follow you. We'd stop fighting against you in whatever it is that you are desiring us to do. Lord, we humble ourselves before Your Holy Spirit and Your Word today that we may be teachable, that we may hear what You want to speak into our life today so that ultimately we can honor and glorify You. So, Father, in these next few minutes, may may we just lock in with what You desire to speak into us. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So as we begin this morning, I just want to look at Paul's very first statement in verse 15. And I think it's very true. For I do not understand my own actions. And so some of you are there right now. You're like, oh my gosh, Paul wrote that just for me. And so when we look at struggles, and, and I know some of you may be uncomfortable talking about this this morning because you think that I'm going to name some names and lay out some specific sins. Uh, that's not my intent or my purpose this morning. So if that happens to you, that's just the Holy Spirit. okay? But what I want to do, I want us to look at some, some, some larger things, some bigger picture things, and, and the things that we struggle with. And I think the first thing that we struggle with is exactly where Paul begins in verse 15, is that we struggle with our understanding. Okay? Paul just says this, I do not understand my own actions. And so just understand this, as a, as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, so if you've confessed Jesus as your Savior, Paul teaches us in 2 Corinthians 2.16 that you have been given the mind of Christ. And so that means that as God has poured out his love and his grace upon every aspect of your life, your life has been changed, right? It's transformed. It should be different than the way that we lived beforehand. And so that means that how you think is different, how you speak is different. The things that you allow or don't allow into your life is different. Your attitude is different and your perspective on things are all different because of this monumental shift that has happened in your life as a result of God's grace and his love and his forgiveness. And so as a result of that, now we have a desire to live in such a way that honors God in every part of our life. But understand this, okay? sin is crouching at your door. Okay, God tells that to Cain in Genesis 4. He says, look, sin is crouching at your door. So you've got to live in such a way that you are mindful that sin is right there ready to trip you up. And so Paul just begins this discussion of this topic that's so common to us as believers. But, but get this. Find hope in this. That if Paul struggled with it, the chances are pretty good that you're going to struggle with it too. Paul was human. Not superhuman. Paul was human. And just in this moment of vulnerability, he just says, look, I don't even understand my own actions we don't always understand the things that we do we we kind of find ourselves in a conundrum a lot of times with uh, you know in this because we just ask ourselves this question why do i continue to commit sin even though i'm under grace it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense to me i don't understand why i do this why do i continue to struggle because we struggle with our understanding here's what that looks like in our life we struggle with our understanding of sin okay and here's what i mean by that like we've defined that over and over and over as we walk through the book of romans but but sin very simply is anything that we do that goes against god's word or god's will And so to to put that in in a different light, when we choose to do something that is against God's best for us, we sin. Okay? Really simple. And, And so part of that struggle is simply this. We always see someone else's sin as being worse than our own, right? Like, man, those people over there are so bad. I'm so glad I'm not like them. Or we do this. We justify our sin and our bad behavior with lame excuses. Well, that's just how I am. That's just my personality. That's just my nature. Amen to that. And that nature is not godly. Okay? And so we struggle with sin. And oh, that would be the only thing that we struggle with, right? But it's not. Now We struggle with God's word. We struggle with the things that Scripture teaches us. We, we come to the Lord and we're like, man, God, do you really expect me to be fully obedient to you? Right? Or, or we say this, man, is there ever going to be a time that I can actually have fun as a Christian? Okay? Or, or you know, um, God, <laughs> there are so many things that I can't do now that I'm your follower. Some of you have asked these questions. I know I can see it in your face because you're starting to wiggle a little bit. getting a little uncomfortable. Here's the thing. Those are the wrong questions. Wrong questions always reveal wrong motives for us. So we're asking the wrong questions here. And so what what we do is, is, is that the questions that we just asked, they have everything to do with me and nothing to do with the Lord. And so what we need to do is we've got to begin asking the right questions because here's what happens. Because wrong questions reveal wrong motives. Right questions reveal right motives. So instead of saying, God, do you expect me to be fully obedient to you? What if we ask this, Lord, will you help me live obediently to you? Or instead of saying, oh, God, can I ever have fun as a Christian? Can I ever do anything fun as a believer? What if you just said, Lord, will you show me how to enjoy the joy of new life in Christ? Or maybe instead of of saying, you know, God, there's so many things that I can't do now. What if you said, Lord, would you just show me how blessed I am because I'm your follower? Right questions, right motives. So we, we struggle to understand our sin. We struggle to understand God's word. But here's the big one. Okay, We struggle to understand God's will. Listen, God's will can be confusing. I mean, that's a question like this section right here. You're all asking that question right now. What is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my career? What is God's will for my relationships? You guys are asking that and you're looking to these other three sections, but can I just let you guys in on a secret? They don't know either. Okay. Sorry, but I'm just going to speak truth this morning, guys. We struggle with God's will because we've made it into this great mystery that it really isn't because we're like, so God's will for my life is not the same as God's will for your life. Right? Maybe? Possibly? I don't know. Here's what we do know. Understanding God's will comes from an understanding of God. And so the deeper your relationship is with God, as it grows in that, the clearer His will becomes for your life. Okay, So the closer that you're walking with Jesus, the clearer that His will becomes. And so listen, God's will for your life is really really simple, okay? And so here's what God's will for your life is. Okay, this is where you take out your pen and you write this down, okay? God's will for your life is for you to glorify him. That's it. God's will for your life is for you to glorify him. And so what happens is when we do not glorify God, but we glorify ourselves, we find ourselves in sin. And so just to put this just as simply as we possibly can, God wants you to glorify him in every aspect of your life. And so before you do anything, before you commit any act, there's two questions that you need to ask. The first question is this. Will this thing that I'm about to do glorify God? Will this glorify God? Pretty simple question. Second question. Very simple, very similar. Can I glorify God through what I'm about to do? Okay? Is God going to be glorified through this? Can I glorify God through what I'm about to do? If the answer to either one or both of those questions is yes, proceed. Okay, If the answer to both of those questions is no, here's what you do. You stop what you're doing, you turn around, and you run as fast as you can to get away from that thing. Okay. We struggle with our understanding, but that's not the only place that we struggle. Paul continues in the second half of verse 15, he says, For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. So, so the second area that we struggle with is that we struggle with our desire. And, and our desire is just simply this. It's what I want. It may be something that I want or it may be something that I want more of. And so my desires influence my decisions. Right? What you want decide, or de- de- uh, determines or influences what you decide to do. And so whatever it is that you allow to influence your heart, or your mind, that's going to influence your desires. And those same things that influence your desires are also going to influence your decisions. And so just really simply here, Paul expresses the frustration that is common to every one of us. Did you pick up on that? Listen to what he says. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law and that's good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire, here it is, I have the desire to do what is right, but I do not have the ability. Frustration. There are some of you that you are there right now and you're going, preach it, Paul. Come on. This is good. I'm so glad that I'm hearing this today. Listen. Paul expresses this frustration. I know what I want to do. Listen, your desire is, is to honor the Lord. I know that. I know that in your heart, man. I want to please the Lord. Man, I have such a desire to read and study the Bible consistently. Man, I just, I just want to be able to, to give of my, of my money and my time and my talent generously to God's church. Man, I, I so desire to have a faith gospel conversation with my neighbor and share with them about God's love to them and God's grace. I I long to be able to to get on a plane and go to a far-off land and help churches and and, and preach the gospel to people who've never heard about Jesus. Those are your desires. The problem comes in is that while our desires are delightful so often, our deeds are disappointing, aren't they? We have the desire, but we can't deliver on the action. Paul says, the very thing that I want to do, I end up doing the very thing that I hate. That word is jarring for you, isn't it? Like, man, could not there a better way that Paul could have put that? No, because you know exactly the sentiment that he feels that when you do the thing that you don't want to do, you hate that action. Like, ah, I wish I wouldn't have done that. That, that frustration, that anger that you feel toward that is exactly at the heart of what Paul is getting at. He says, look, my desires are delightful, but my deeds are disappointing. I want to study the Bible consistently, but I'm just so inconsistent in it. I'll do good for two or three days, and then I may not do it for a month. And I want to be able to to, to do things generously and serve generously and give generously to my church, but you know what? I spend my money and my time and my talent on things that are worthless. I really want to talk to my neighbor about Jesus, but it's so much simpler if I just keep our conversations on the surface. I'd love to be able to just hop a plane and go to Africa or go to China or go to Southeast Asia or go to South America and preach the gospel of Jesus. But it seems like every time that the mission team gets on the plane, I'm still sitting at home. I want to uphold the law. I want to do what it says. I want to be obedient to God's word, but I end up breaking it at every turn. Do you know why? Because sin is crouching at the door. Sin is crouching at the door. Our desires are at war with our deeds. You see, our our desires are at war with our deeds, and the instigator or the initiator of that war is, is sin, And so your sin influences your desires because it's at war with the Spirit of God. Listen, listen to this. Satan desires nothing more than to seek and destroy every appearance of godliness in your life. Okay, you may not understand that, but Satan wants to destroy every aspect of godliness in your life. And so Paul describes here sin this way. He says it dwells with me. You know what's interesting about the word dwells? It has the same root as the word in Greek for home. And so Paul just says this, look, sin is at home in my life. Sin's at home in my life. And so here's the question we've got to ask right here. Since sin is at home in my life, here it is. Am I at home with my sin? And so we know this to be true. Since sin is at home in our life, we are at home with our sin. And so for many of you, just right now, the light bulb came on. There's been this major revelation that has come to your life because you really want to be done with sin. Right? We've talked about over the past several weeks how we are dead to sin. It's been nailed on the cross. We've crucified the old nature, and the old man is laid in the grave, and now we're walking in the newness of life. right? But, but here's the thing. You want to be done with sin, but it is so familiar. And we are so comfortable in our sin. Man, it it is right at home with us. See, so Paul sheds light on the reality of our struggle. He says, look, verse 18, why is this like this? Because nothing good dwells within us. There is no morality in my mortality. There's no morality. There's nothing good in my mortality that is in my flesh. There is nothing good in my flesh. We are incapable of doing good. We're not good. Listen, the sooner that you can accept that truth, the sooner that you can move toward hope in the Lord. We have this desire to do good, but we lack the ability. That word means just to perform. I can't do it. I want to do good but I can't do good because I'm not good. I'm trying to accomplish a spiritual task from purely a fleshly perspective and so long as we try to do good without being good you're only going to be frustrated. That's why you're frustrated. You're trying to do good but you're not and so we, we, we've got to come to the point where we fulfill these spiritual desires with spiritual uh, strength to accomplish these spiritual deeds. You've got to rest in that. I think there are many of us who, we clearly know exactly what God wants us to do, but the problem is we're trying to accomplish it in our flesh. We're trying to accomplish it in ourselves and we, we, we fail and we fail and we fail and we fail and we get more frustrated and more frustrated and more frustrated. Listen, we will never accomplish anything for the Lord if we're only trying to use our own strength. So look, we, we struggle with our understanding and we, underst- we, we struggle with our desire. But here's the big thing. Paul says this in verse 19. He says, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want. Here it is is what I keep on doing. We struggle with our habits. Paul's describing a habit here. It's what he keeps on doing. It's not an isolated instance. A a habit just very simply is a repeated practice. Now listen, I understand. There are good habits. And, And as believers and followers of Jesus, we want to develop good, healthy, godly habits. But we also know that there are bad habits. And it seems like the bad habits are the ones that we continually seem to feed. And we know from our collective experience that habits are hard to break. They are difficult to change. And so we find ourselves as believers oftentimes with this lifetime of habits of sin that we continue to drag along with us that we're trying to break. Here's the problem. We have a sin habit. We are sin addicts. We are addicted to sin. And no matter how much we may want to change, that change is not easy. Why? Paul says it again. Because sin dwells. Sin is at home with me. So what do we do? Well, there's, there's a couple things. First thing is this. Nothing. Just do nothing. Just don't do Anything, you just continue in your sin and continue in your desire and you can continue to be frustrated. That's one option. Second option, you can just quit trying. You say, you know what? This is who I am. This is what I do. In essence, you're just saying, you know, I accept it. I'm just going to remain in my sin and I'm going to remain in my sinful behavior. I'm going to continue to glorify and gratify myself and whatever with God. Third thing, you can surrender. You, you can give yourself over to the one that you are fighting against. And you say, but I'm fighting against sin. No, you're not. You're embracing sin and you're fighting against God. And so when we say surrender, we're, we're not saying surrender to sin. No, absolutely not. We are saying that we are going to surrender everything in our life to the Lord Jesus through faith. So what does this look like? What does this life of being surrendered look like? What does this mean to to engage in this battle? Well, look at what Paul says in verse 24. Listen, wretched man that I am. All right, if Paul calls himself a wretched man, what in the world does that make me? Wretched man that I am. Who can deliver me from this body of death? But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our lord so through our habits of sin as we are continuing to wage war against god god calls us to surrender to him through faith in jesus christ so paul just says that he is he's wretched what is he saying he, he's just owning his misery so if you want out of this habit first thing you got to do own your misery. You've just simply got to uh, come to the point where you are admitting that you are continuing in this habit of sin, and yes, even your secret sins that no one else knows about, you're going to own that. And, And so in that wretched man that I am, where Paul says where I am, I am broken and I am miserable, he gives us this beautiful confession. That he Needs help. Own your misery. Second thing, desire deliverance. Who can deliver me from this body of death? Paul's just saying, that. who can save me? Listen, we are all, every one of us in here, we are all in need of salvation from ourselves. We need a rescuer. Who? It's a question. Who can deliver me from this body of death? Verse 25. But thanks be to God for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The third thing so uh, own your misery. Second thing is desire deliverance. The third thing is simply this thank Jesus. Jesus is the all sufficient Savior, He is enough. It's like this Jesus to the rescue. Right? We, are, we are down in this pit of sin, and just as we are about to be completely consumed, Jesus reaches down into the mire of that, and he grabs us by our neck, and he pulls us out, and he rescues us. And there's this huge gasp of breath, because we live again. You see, it's through Jesus' death that he saves us from this body of death. That's great. Some of you are going, man, that's good. Man, own your misery Desire deliverance. Thank Jesus, man. I've heard that. That's great. Here's the thing. What have you done about it? Because we all have a knowledge about what we need to do, but now we've got to do something with what we know. And so just very simply, the question, what now? Here's what you do now. Stop struggling against the Lord and seek the Savior. Look, the struggle is real. Every single one of us in this room, we are struggling with something in our life right now. And if you say, that's not me, you're struggling with denial. Okay? We are all struggling with someone, or with something. And so, when we stop struggling, we start seeking the Savior, God delivers us. But but understand this. Just because you come to Jesus, or just because you come back to Jesus, doesn't mean that your struggles cease in fact in some cases they will actually intensify do you know why because satan is at war and he wants to destroy every aspect of godliness in your life and so when you make that step and you say i am committing my life to jesus christ man satan points all of his weapons right at you and he says i'm going to annihilate you but here's the thing He can try, but he isn't going to kill you. It's not going to kill you. Because God is our strength, who is greater than our struggle. There's some of you here sitting here this morning and you're like, you know what, I got a pretty good handle on this. And so you just say, God, I appreciate it, but I don't need your help. Do you know what you're really saying when you say, God, I don't need your help? Here's what you're saying. You say, God, I don't need your help. But here's what God hears. God, I don't need you. False. That's false. That is a lie. We absolutely need the Lord. Listen, two questions I just want to ask you right here as, as we close. All right. One is this. Will you surrender your life to Jesus today? Will you stop struggling and begin to seek after the Savior? Will you... Will you stop struggling in your own strength and allow God to uh, fight that battle for you? Listen, I know, I understand. The struggle is real. I get it. But so is our Savior. The struggle is real, but our Savior is greater. He's the only one who can deliver you from your struggle. He's the only one who can deliver you from the shame of your sin. He's the only one who can deliver you from this body of death. And so just as the struggle is real, get this. God's power is real. God's love is real. God's grace is real. God's forgiveness is real. God's strength is real. And so because you know that, surrender your life to the Lord today and discover the beauty of walking in a new reality.